Well, good evening. Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As you're finding your place, let me just share a couple of things with you. First of all, for those who uh, prayed for my mom and asked about her, I just want to say thank you, first of all, for that. And then I want to give you a report that it had nothing to do with her heart, though that was what the concern was. Uh, it's unrelated, but had symptoms like heart issues. And so glad that it was nothing more serious for her. And then for those of you who did pray for me, I did get a good report. They said the bones are healing well, but I get to wear my brace for two more weeks. So I'm thrilled about that. And uh, just so thankful that I get to keep it with me just a little bit longer. You want your money's worth out of these things, right? And so two more weeks, if we prorate that, that's another $2,000 or so I'm getting out of this. So it's great. Anyways, it's good to have Tammy and Miss Jane here tonight. And... Uh, most of you have probably already spoken to them, but if you have not, be sure and do so after church. And uh, just good to see them and just good to see, uh, sort of say old faces. That's not the way to say that when you're talking about ladies, but uh, it's good to see familiar faces, familiar faces from a distance. And uh, so glad they are here. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. And Lord, we're thankful for this midweek service where we can come and spend this time together in your word and to enjoy the singing that we've been able to enjoy. Lord, we're thankful for just your goodness to us already this week. And I pray now that you'd help us to just, for a few moments, give attention to your word and nothing else. God, that you'd help us to consider how this word applies to us and how we might be able to use it in our Christian lives. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I do want to remind you of what we began looking at whenever we came to chapter 12 because of how all this ties together. You'll remember, hopefully, that the Apostle Paul made it clear to these believers in Corinth that he wanted to instruct them or give them information as it relates to spiritual gifts because Paul wanted them to be grounded in the realm or in the area of spiritual gifts. The last thing he wanted was for them to be led astray by someone who appeared to have spiritual gifts. And so that's what chapter 12 is dealing with really in its entirety. And so it was last week that we watched as the Apostle Paul explained that there is a wide variety of gifts, okay? There are many spiritual gifts that are available to the Christians. And so knowing that, we also need to understand this, that every Christian possesses at least one, all right? Every Christian possesses at least one spiritual gift and then Paul went on to say that sometimes there will be an overlap of spiritual gifts, and what will happen is this, those spiritual gifts will be worked or they will be manifested in different areas. So just because somebody has the same gift doesn't mean they're going to do the exact same thing. And then Paul also explained that whenever there are similar gifts or really the exact same gifts being exercised within a church body or within the body of Christ, it does not mean that the fruit is going to be the same with every spiritual gift, that there are going to be different levels of fruit that come with that. But ultimately, what he said in verse number 7 is this, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to profit with all. All right, so he said that in verse number 7, is given to every man to profit with all. The point of our spiritual gifts is this, is to be a help and to be a blessing to the kingdom of God and to be a help and a blessing to others. And I want to just remind us of this because it is so important 
A spiritual gift is a supernatural gift. It is not a talent. It is not a hobby. It is not something that just naturally comes to us easily. It is something that we recognize, God gave me this gift. And what I asked us to consider last week was this, what is our spiritual gift and how are we using it in the body of Christ? Because if we're not using our spiritual gift, then we are not walking in obedience to the Lord's will for our lives as we ought. So if we're just sitting on our spiritual gifts doing nothing, then we're not doing in our Christian lives like we ought to be doing. So that's what we talked about last week. Tonight we're moving on, and I trust that this will be a help to some. I hope that it will, regardless. Tonight I want to begin by mentioning something that is very obvious to most of us. You know this, it's not a surprise, and that is, I've mentioned it before, though I don't need to, Susie and I are the parents of three children. You know that, right? Yeah, okay, we're just... I'm just going to pretend y'all are all interested in this, okay? Susie and I, we have three children, Nathan 19, Hannah 16, Leah 14. They all live at the house, so guess what is true of all three of those kids? This is true of all three of those kids. I'm in charge. All right? I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be, you know, obnoxious about that. I've said it before, and I'm just going to say it again because of where the illustration is going. I Just because I'm the dad... And because those kids that we've been blessed with, the the kids that God has given us, because they're still living in our house and taking advantage of all that we provide for them, there is a level of authority that I'm going to exercise over them. Now, that in mind, again, I, I know we've considered this before, I know we've thought about this before, but I want to do it again tonight. Because of that authority that I am able to exercise in their lives, imagine for just a moment I was going to be leaving. I was going to be away from things for a while. And so I said to the kids, all right, kids, this is what I want you to do. Nathan, I need you to do this. Hannah, I need you to do this. And Leah, I need you to do this. As I give them instructions, as I give them kind of their marching orders, so to speak, do you think it is possible that they might be able to look at what I've told them to do and realize a different level of responsibility amongst the orders that have been given. You think it's possible? I mean, Nathan might be able to say, you know, Dad's entrusted me with more, maybe because I'm a young man now, maybe because of my age, maybe because of my abilities. He he might be able to look at himself and what he's been entrusted with by way of that charge or that command that I've been given, and he might be able to say, you know what, I've been entrusted with quite a bit. Hannah may look at what she's been entrusted with or charged to do, and she may say, well, it's different than Nathan's and it's different than Leah's, and most likely it would be. And Leah may look at this and say, well, Dad didn't trust me much. It must be because I'm 14. It may be because I'm the baby of the family. I don't know what might run through her head, but she might look at what was given to her by way of a responsibility and say something like this, it is certainly different than what Dad told Nathan to do. And again, most likely it would be. And here's what you know and here's what you understand. I don't have to tell you this except for the fact that I want us to think about it as we go through the message tonight. And that is this. It doesn't matter what I tell them to do. All of it is important. You understand this, right? It's important because I told them to do it. 
So it doesn't matter what Nathan thinks of his responsibility, Hannah thinks of hers, or Leah thinks of hers. It is important because I, as their authority, am the one who has given them the instructions and the orders that I want them to carry out. Now, we'll get back to that thought in a few moments, but tonight I want us to begin looking in verse number 8, okay? In verse number 8, we have some gifts listed, okay? And we're not going to work through all of these because it would take several weeks to do so, and that's not how I feel like the study needs to go right now. But in verse number 8, we began reading, it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now in verse number 12, here is where the message is going to take shape and begin to come together. Just keep in mind, verses 8, 9, and 10 is a partial list of gifts given to believers. So he says in verse number 12, he begins to use an illustration to make his point. He says, for as the body is one. So that is a reference to the physical body. And we'll see this as we go through it. He said, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now what has Paul just said? Well, Paul has just said what, again, we all know, and that is this, is in our physical body it is one, yet there are many members that make up that body. There are many different aspects, there are many different portions of our body. So notice in verse number 14, he just elaborates on this a little bit more. He said, for the body is not one member, but many then in verse number 17, he said, If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now, Paul does a pretty good job, does he not, of painting a picture in the reader's mind? I think he does a fantastic job painting this picture in their minds and in our minds. Here's what he's trying to say. He is saying the body of Christ and, and the body of the church, it is much like our physical bodies, that there are many different aspects, but we all come together to make up one body. And so he says in verse number 17, if the whole body were an eye, well, where would the hearing come from? And that makes sense, right? If, if, if all you had here was a giant eyeball, there would be no capability of that eyeball to hear anything. So the eye is necessary and the ear is necessary. And he said, if the whole were hearing, you just had a giant ear up here, then where were the smelling? So Paul is trying to convey that there is significance and there is uh, importance to everything. It is essential, everything that makes up a part of the physical body. And the same would be true of the spiritual body, that everything that makes up the body of Christ and everything that makes up the church body, every bit of it is important and every bit of it is essential. That said, notice in verse number 13 what Paul said. Little thoughts that are interjected along the way. He said in verse number 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, 
and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, I'll be honest with you and tell you, I don't know exactly what all Paul meant whenever he said, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. But I do know this in verse number 13, the first part of it. He is saying that as a result of our salvation, as a result of us coming into the body of Christ, we have been baptized or we have been identified or we have been brought into one body. And notice what he said. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're bond or you're free. Now, friends, in their day, those were serious dividing lines. You understand this? For one to say, I'm a Jew, and another to have to say, well, I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile, that was a serious dividing line by way of race or by way of culture in their day. And then, of course, for one to be a bond person, one to be a slave versus one to be free, again, that was a sharp contrast between the two. And what Paul is saying in verse number 13 is this, and this is very important. He is saying it does not matter who you are. It does not matter what your race is. It does not matter what your nationality is it doesn't matter what your birth is and it does not even matter what your social position in life is it doesn't matter if you're jew or you're gentile it doesn't matter if you are bond or you are free he said again in verse number 13 for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body so when we come into the body of christ you know this that Christ is not looking at nationality. He's not looking at race. He's not looking at social status. He's not looking at our position and the culture around us. What Paul said is this, is it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. As a result of your salvation, you have a spiritual gift, and it is important, and it is essential. It is critical because we need, he said, every member of the body making up the collective body itself. All right. That's important because notice what he said in verse number 15. He said, If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What does that mean? Well, Suppose you had a foot that could express itself. It'd be weird, of course, but Paul's trying to illustrate something. He said, imagine you've got a foot here, and the foot says, well, you know, I'm not the hand. Hands are so much cooler. Hands have so many more abilities. Hands have, have so many more options available to them. And so imagine for just a moment the, the foot said to itself, you know what, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Paul said, is it therefore not of the body? Uh, well, the answer is fairly obvious, right? The foot may not be the hand, but guess what, foot? You're still a part of the body whether you like it or not. Look in verse number 17. Not verse number 17, verse number 16. And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, again, it's kind of an obvious question, is it not, with an obvious answer? So say the ear gets an attitude and says, You know what? I'm not the eye. And because I'm not the eye, I am no longer a part of the body. Paul said, well, is that true? Well, again, the answer is not true at all. 
Just because you're not the ear or the eye or the foot or the hand does not mean you are not a part of the body. Now, what is Paul trying to convey in all this? Well, I I think I'll be able to prove my point just a little bit further in a moment. But here's what I think the Apostle Paul is trying to convey, that it does not matter who you are, where you come from, what race, what nationality, or where you are at in the social structure of life, you have a gift. What you have is critical, it is essential, it is important, and don't you ever think that the gift you've got is not important to the body that you're a part of. See, somebody says, well, I mean, come on, I, I'm, just, I'm, just a, I'm just a foot. Okay. But I'm not a hand. Well, who cares? Do not allow yourself to think that the role you've got and the responsibility that you now carry with the spiritual gift that you've been given, do not allow yourself to think that your gift is not important and because you assume that it is not important that you can somehow sever yourself from your responsibility and it not impact the body that you are a part of. See, just because the foot says, well, I'm not the hand, so I'm not going to be a part of the body, doesn't change anything. And just because the ear says, well, I'm not the eye, so therefore I'm not a part of the body, it doesn't change anything at all. What Paul is trying to convey to them is this, what you have to offer to the body as a whole is essential no matter what it is you bring to the body. Remember who we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with Corinthian believers, right? Not exactly the most mature Christians. Not exactly the most mature believers. And so can you see something like this happening? Well, I don't have a very important gift. So I'm just going to sit over here and not do anything with my gift. Paul would say, bad attitude. Wrong attitude. Wrong spirit, wrong approach. Can you see another family over here saying, well, you know, I mean, we're one of those bond families. We, we come out of slavery and, and, you know, we're not free and we don't have the social status that other people have. And we're not going to have the influence that other people have. You know what Paul would say? Paul would say, get that thinking out of your head. Get that thinking out of your mind. You've got something to offer the body of Christ. Now, friends, that is important because I'm telling you, in churches all across our nation, there are people who have spiritual gifts who have determined in their heart and mind that what they have to contribute is not important enough for them to use it for the cause of Christ and for the work of Christ. Well, I just don't have the same clout that some people have. I just don't have the same influence that some people have. I don't have the same potential that some people have. I don't come from the same background that some people have. I'm telling you, there are people sitting in churches all across the nation and maybe even some in our church who are not exercising their gift 
because they have convinced themselves theirs is not significant enough to use. And because it's not significant enough to use, they assume that it will not be missed. And I'm 37 days into a good reminder that that's poor logic. You know what I mean? 37 days ago, if you'd asked me about my clavicle, I would have said, clavicle, yeah. You know what I determined 37 days ago? That's real important. It's not an eye, it's not an ear, it's not a foot, it's not a hand. Just a little old bone connecting some things, I guess. I don't even know exactly what it does. But you know what I realized five weeks ago? That's really, really, really important. Now, I'm just saying to you, I don't know what your spiritual gift is. I don't know the magnitude of it. I don't know what kind of responsibility your gift carries. But if you at all are sitting there ever thinking to yourself, well, my gift isn't very big. My gift isn't very significant. My gift cannot even be missed if it's not being exercised. I want you to understand tonight that that is faulty immature thinking because the body of Christ and the body of this church needs everyone using the gift that God has given them. And what Satan would love to do is convince people right here and Christians all across the globe, Satan would love to convince people you're unimportant You're not necessary, and you'll not be missed. It's a lie. But there's a flip side to that. Notice in verse number 21 what Paul says. It says, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now again, he's using the body here to illustrate spiritual truths. We get this. So on one side of the coin, you've got the foot saying, well, I'm not the hand. I'm not a part of the body. And you've got the ear saying, well, I'm not the eye, so I'm not a part of the body. And Paul said, that's faulty thinking, friends. But in verse number 21, he says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Again, suppose these body parts could exercise a will and express themselves. What Paul said is this, is that the eye could never suggest to the hand that the hand wasn't needed. And the head could never say to the feet, "Uh, listen guys, we're good on feet. We've got enough. Immature Christians in this church in Corinth, can you see something like this? We've got important gifts. We've got significant gifts. We have gifts that are critical and vital to the ministry of this church. And, and we have things that are really important to the, to the cause of Christ. And, and you're not really needed. Why don't you just go sit over there and not get in our way? Can you see an attitude like this? 
If you can't see it in the church of Corinth, just look around in many churches today. Here's what I mean by that. You may not see this as often as I've seen it, and it's not like I've seen it thousands of times, but I'm just saying I have certainly seen this over the years where preachers get a pretty vaulted opinion of their gift. Well, is the preacher necessary? Well, sure. So might he be an eye? Well, he might be an eye. He might be a head. But the preacher has no right to look at anyone else in the church and say, Hey, 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 hand, hey, foot, uh, we don't really need your ministry right now. I'm just telling you, there are some preachers out there who have pretty vaulted opinions of themselves and the ministry that they've been entrusted with and the ministry that God has given them and the responsibility it carries. Listen, it has all of that, but the ministry of the pastor is no more needed than the ministry of anyone else in the church. It's that true, it's that simple, it is just that obvious that as much as the pastor is needed, the foot or the hand or or whatever the most insignificant gift may be is still as important as the pastor. Now, Now, I'm just telling you whether you buy into this completely or not, I'm telling you there are some church staff members who are made to think that they're more important than the people that they serve with. That, that they're up here and all the church people are down here. You know, we're, we're just kind of a notch or two above the church people. And, and we need to be the ones who kind of lead them. But, you know, if we lose a few, it's no big deal. But, but, I mean, after all, we're the important ones around here. Us and our wives and our kids, you know. And, and we're just a little bit better. You know what Paul would say? Paul would say, uh, guys, you need to be reminded. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, bond or free. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what position you've been placed in. The, the gift that you've been given by way of responsibility, you have no right to look at anyone else and say they're not needed. So pastors get this overinflated ego sometimes. Church staff gets an overinflated ego sometimes. And let's just be honest, sometimes lay people get an overinflated ego sometimes. Yeah, this church needs me. You're right, it does. But this church doesn't need you any more than it needs someone else. Yeah, I don't know what the church would do without me. I bet we'd figure it out. You understand what I'm saying, don't you? See, Paul would make this clear that none of us are incapable of being replaced. Therefore, it would be ridiculous and therefore it would be nonsense for anyone in the church to ever look at the gift that someone else had and to look down on it with some kind of, you know, just a little bit of sorrow for them or sympathy that that's all they have to offer. No, friends. There needs to be an awareness of the person who, who may not have the most glorious gift. They need to have an awareness that what they bring to the body is every bit as important as what everyone else brings. And those who may have the more responsible gifts or whatever you'd like to call it, they need to be of a spirit and they need to be of a mindset 
that says, you know what, I'm no better than anyone else. I'm not. I'm just one of the many parts of this bigger body. And I'm just trying to do what it is I've been called to do. So see, it's kind of like kids. This one's been entrusted with this. This one's been entrusted with this. And this one's been entrusted with this. And yet they're all important. Well, how do we know they're all important? Look in verse number 18, what Paul said. He said, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Who's, who's in charge? God. See, kind of like I'm in charge of my kids. As children of God, who's in charge? That, that would be God. Okay, for those who may be waffling on that and you're not quite sure, I'm just telling you, God's in charge, okay? God is in complete authority, okay? So God does not give everyone the same gift through the Spirit. We need to understand that. But God hath put every member, one of them, in the body, okay? God is the one who has set this. God is the one who has established this. God is the one who has put everything in place as it hath pleased Him. You know what we have got to remember, and you know what we have got to be reminded of sometimes is this, that what we've been given was given to us by God, and that's what God gave us because that's what pleased Him to give us. To do what? To serve Him, to bring glory to Him, and to be a help and a blessing to others. See, it's kind of like my kids. They don't need to sit around and worry about who got what responsibility and who got what charge and who, what got, who got what commandment. They don't need to sit around and worry about that. They just need to be aware, okay, this is what Dad told me to do and that's what I'm going to do. So if you're the hand, you're the foot, you're the eye, you're the ear, you're the head, whatever it may be, it is not our job to sit around and try to evaluate who's got more and who's got what and how does this compare to someone else's what we need to remember is this what we've got was given to us by God and because of that I know this goes back to what I said last week and what I said by way of review but because I've got by way of spiritual gift what God has given me I don't need to sit around and compare my gift to anyone else's. I just need to go out there and execute what God has given me the ability to do. Just do it for what? For the body of Christ. Just do it for what? For the church body that you're a part of. Just go out there and execute it because it is God who has set in place according to what hath pleased him or what has delighted him. So if there has ever been within you this spirit, if there has ever been within you this spirit that has said, my gift's not important, you know what you're saying? You're basically saying God didn't know what he was doing whenever he gave you your gift. Hold on, he gave us exactly what he wanted us to have. 
So if all you are is a foot, you need to, you need to be the best foot you could ever be for the body of Christ. And if you're the head, and if you're the one who might have an opinion sometimes that says, well, you know, I, I don't know that I actually need you. If we should ever get a vaulted opinion of ourselves, you know what we need to remind ourselves of? We need to remind ourselves, hold on, anything that I am is because God gave it to me. And I just need to shut up, get back in line, and just do my part and let everyone else do their part. Because again, if they're being obedient and I'm being obedient, then at the end of the day, all we've, ever, all we've both done is just do what God's called us to do. And that's what matters in the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask you two questions. I bet they shock you immensely. Here's the first question. What is your spiritual gift? Not what is your hobby, not what is your interest, not what is your talent. What is your spiritual gift? Big, small, anything in between. What is the spiritual gift that you've been given by God? Brother Kyle, I still don't know. Well, then you still need to be working at trying to figure this out and asking the Lord, God, what am I supposed to do to contribute to the body of Christ? Okay, what is your spiritual gift? What are you doing with the spiritual gift that God's given you? You say, isn't that how you closed the message last week? Yes, and I'm doing it again this week for this reason. There are no unimportant gifts. So you may have said last week at the end of the message, well, you know, I mean, I, I know what my spiritual gift is, but it's really not that important. I hope tonight's message reminds you, yes, it is, and you ought to be using it. It's very important, very important. And just because you think it's not doesn't change anything. It's very important. And, and, and I just want to remind anyone who may be using their spiritual gift, who may think you're really God's gift to the body of Christ, it's good that you're doing what you're supposed to, but let's be careful to not get an elevated opinion of ourselves and look down on people because their gift is different than ours. Are you using the gift that God has given you? Because that's the only thing that matters as it relates to our spiritual gifts. Are we doing it? Can I identify the gift? And can I say that by the grace of God I'm using it? Because it needs to be used no matter what it is. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, as I come to you this evening, I pray that you would help us to be the men and women that you have called us to be as believers, God, to, to realize that whatever you have given us, it does not matter what the gift is, whatever you have given us, we need to be mature enough to see the value of it and the benefit of it and to just go out there and start working the gift that you've given us. And God, I pray that you would help protect us from any attitude of arrogance or any attitude of pride that might be of the spirit that would say, well, our gift is more important than someone else's because truly it is not. The gifts that you've given have simply been given so that we can use them to be a prophet, to be a help to those that we come into contact with and to bring glory to you. So I pray that you'd help us to do so tonight. 
I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.